This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics. But there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family. It would be my honor to introduce you to Jesus today. Simply call 877-548-3675. Again, give us a call at 877-548-3675. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I'm so thrilled that you joined me today. We're going to go into a great interview in just a moment with Joanna Meyer as we talk about uh, why work matters. I'm pretty fired up to have Joanna. She works with the Denver Institute, and uh, she wrote a great book called Women, Work, and Calling. Maybe you're uh, a mom, maybe you're a wife, a mother who's listening to me right now, and uh, or even a single uh, woman who is trying your best to navigate the, uh, the uh, challenges of work and calling and all of uh, that comes along with that, trying to balance all of life. I would love today to pray with you, to come alongside of you, to support and encourage you. Women make such a huge impact in our uh, world and in particular through vocation and calling. And we want to talk to one of the leaders in this great faith and work movement about how we can make a difference as Christians in the workplace. So Joanna is going to be joining us in just a moment. But before we do that, I do... I do want to encourage you uh, to make sure you're marking your calendar for our faith and uh, work uh, conversation as well as our upcoming Zoom webinar. we got a great Zoom webinar that's going to be happening tomorrow, uh, and I'm really fired up about the topic. It's a very important topic, overcoming church hurt, surviving church hurt. If you have not yet registered for that event, I would love for you to register for that event If you are a pastor or a leader, I in particular am inviting you to join for two reasons. Number one, we very rarely talk about the impact of church hurt on leaders. And uh, the fact of the matter is when lay people are hurt, uh, they are able to leave with their hurt. And I don't want to minimize that because that is very uh, significant. And we're going to talk about Um, how leaders can hurt people less. Uh, I don't know of a leader who doesn't want to do that, but I want to talk about how leaders can hurt people less. But when leaders get hurt, we have to lead with our hurt. And uh, that's an entirely different calling, responsibility, and reality. So if you're a leader and you've ever gone through church hurt, I would love for you to be there uh, for that Zoom webinar. But I also want to talk to you about how we as leaders – can train our staff and those who volunteer with us so that we can make sure that less people are hurt under our leadership. So whether you're a leader who's having to process through your own church hurt or you're a leader who wants your team to hurt people less 
It's going to be a powerful gathering. This is our Zoom webinar. Typically, it is for our monthly partners. Uh, it's free to our monthly partners, but we're going to open up some seats, but you got to call right now if you'd like to be a part of this. If you're not a monthly partner already, but you are in leadership, in particular ministry leadership, be it at a local church or at another ministry, I would love for you to be a part of this moment. So give us a call. It's all going down tomorrow, immediately following the program. You can call to reserve your spot right now at 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. But I do need you to call right now. If you are a leader in the local church context or in another ministry context, and you say, Chris, I know what it's like to go through church hurt myself and I need to process, I need to know how do I survive that. We're going to talk about that. But also, if you are leading a staff or a team and you say, we want to have strategies, systems, mechanisms in place that prevent hurt, I would love for you to give us a call right now to reserve your spot for tomorrow's Zoom webinar, 877-548-3675. When it comes to... Uh, succeeding and having impact in the workplace. Many women are asking, how does my faith inform my work? I don't know of a group that answers this better than the Denver Institute. I've been a longtime fan of the Denver Institute and my guest today from a distance, Joanna Meyer. Joanna and I have not gotten a chance to uh, work side by side, but I've admired her work for some time in her role as Director of Public Engagement at the Denver Institute for Faith and Work. Uh, she leads public events there. She also hosts a podcast there. She's the founder of the uh, Women, Work, and Calling National Initiative, which equips Christian women for godly influence in public life. She's also the author of the book that has that name as well, Women, Work, and Calling. Step into your place in God's world Joanna Meyer joins me now. Joanna, how are you? Hi, Chris. It's great to be with you. Greetings from sunny Denver. It is good to have you on. Again, I've been a member of your fan club for some time, and I am so grateful that you have joined me today. Let's talk a little bit about the Denver Institute. For those who are unfamiliar, talk about your work there. Yeah, the Denver Institute is a local expression of a broader conversation that's happening nationally and around the world of equipping Christians for broader influence in the world through their work. We believe that work is at the heart of God's mission. It's one of those places we engage the world and join Christ in his renewal of all things. And so we want people to be discipled, to see their work as a place of both um, authenticity and intimacy in their walk with God and also impact as they think about what it looks like to have a kingdom influence beyond just or building on evangelism and um, the idea of, of having an ethical influence in your workplace, but to actually have an imagination for how God might shape the nature of work itself through the people that are working in those roles. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that because I think that for so long as a pastor myself, and I come uh, out of the financial services industry, that's what I was doing before I became a pastor. I constantly thought this way, but as a pastor, what I've run into so often, Joanna, are people who feel almost guilty, 
that they are vested in work and uh, maybe uh, unable to um, be in traditional local church volunteer roles and feeling like, well, therefore, I can't serve God. That's a myth, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I think of a, a local business leader who was working in children's ministry at church because that was the primary opportunity that was held out to him. And he had never been invited to think of how his small business leadership, the culture that he created there, the way he cared for his employees, the way that he rethought some of the systems and ways that they were running his business could actually be reflective of his Christian life and his leadership. And so it's amazing when you invite people into this broader vision of their work, because suddenly their faith gets alive, enlarged, it gets enlivened, and their sense of the gospel of how Christ is healing and restoring the world suddenly gets bigger than just a personal decision to follow Christ. And I'm not diminishing the value of a personal decision at all, but just you suddenly realize like, the gospel is as big as the needs of the world, and our imagination gets sparked for how we can participate with Christ in his work. Now, I, I want to get to the book in just a moment, but I do recognize that listening to me right now is just a, a, a wide variety of people from an employment perspective. There are those mm-hmm. who are teachers that are listening to us, engineers that are listening to us, factory workers, doctors, nurses, so on and so forth. Certain jobs, Joanna, it seems pretty easy to see a direct correlation of how it makes a difference. You can often talk to doctors or nurses, and they know that, man, my work is making a direct impact on people, right? There's other jobs where that connection may feel harder to make. I live in uh, Detroit area, so we're known for the automotive industry. When it comes to jobs like that, working in a in, in a factory or somebody who runs a bakery, a small business, um, or someone who's an engineer, what are some practical ways that you at the Denver Institute help people to find meaning at work and to incorporate their faith at work? Yeah, that's such an important question because for this kind of theology of work to be effective, it has to be accessible to anybody in any kind of job. And so I think we start with a question of like, what is God uniquely entrusted to you in your role? Like maybe you're running a bakery, like you said, and you think I'm just cooking rolls or baking rolls, but really like you're being entrusted with people's lives, uh, the employees that work for you or the role that you play in serving the public. So beginning to say, what is my unique sphere of influence helps you begin to ask questions of like, well, how would Christ live his life in this place? Dallas Willard talks about that a lot of like Christ is the expert in any field. And so we can turn to our work and say, well, what's, what's broken about this particular type of work that I'm doing that isn't maybe the way that God intends it to be. Is there a way that I could approach it in a uniquely Christian way Uh, that shapes if you're in a customer service role, that totally shapes how you engage the public and the way that you approach the products that you make. If you're making purchasing decisions for a company, for example, you can begin to think about, uh, am I caring for creation in the choices that we make and in the ways that we're we're handling the products that we order and ship to us? Or anytime you're in a role where you're you're managing people, that's an incredible place for godly influence of helping people realize their full potential of the culture that you create on your team or the way that you interact within the organization. All of those are places which in which you can have um, a more godly influence of helping God's 
goodness, beauty, truth, his peace, his um, his joy come out in the culture that you're building in, in those human settings. Um, we underestimate the holy work that is management. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that we can bring our what you call vocational imaginations to work mm-hmm. with us. You know, I love this quote. Maybe you've heard it from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It's a famous quote. It's his uh, street sweeper quote. He says, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets as if all of heaven is watching. I love that. You know, it, oh, to totally. me, what what a mindset. And 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 so when we come to work, we should not see that as an interruption. I think so often, Joanna, the way we're kind of um, conditioned, culturally conditioned, is to think of our life in compartments. So I have a family mm-hmm. compartment of life. I have a worship compartment of life. I have a work compartment of life. And for so many, the work is almost interference, where if I didn't have the anchor of this job, then I could really serve God or really love my neighbor or really serve my family. But what you're saying is work is not an intrusion or interruption. It's integrated into the worship or God's call on your life. Is that right? Definitely. And that's important for anyone that responds to Christ, but I think it's especially important for women um, because it, it starts with that question of what does it mean to be called? And it, you know, and it's simplest and most broad form, like to be called is simply a whole life response to the invitation that Christ offers. So we come to him for salvation, but we also come to him and join him in his work in the world. And so, you know, you think about the cross, certainly it sets right the power of sin in any person's life, but it also broke the power of sin over all of creation. And so that means that all of creation is where Christ is at work healing what is broken or restoring what has been distorted by the effects of sin. And I think in anybody's job, we can look at that and say, well, where is sin at work in your work in, in your world today? And you're like, oh, the list is as long as my arm. And you think, oh, well, that's an opportunity for Christ to be invited in for his healing work that was accomplished on the cross to be active yes. here. And so suddenly you go, oh, it's all of my life offered in response to Christ and lived with him in his work. And suddenly all of life is infused with meaning. <laughs> and I mentioned women earlier, but it's especially important for Christian women because we often have a lot of cultural messaging about what a woman is called to. Um, And so when we step into this broad calling, all of a sudden we say, what does it look like for me to hold all of these different roles that I have together under this broad invitation that Christ offers? And we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. If you're a woman who's listening, how do you manage gender dynamics, social pressures, the myth of the picture-perfect life? We'd love for you to give us a call at 877-LIVE-675. If you're a woman wondering, how does my faith impact my work? We'll be right back right after this. Friends, I want to invite you to our next Equipper Zoom webinar tomorrow right after the program. You know, many of us have faced pain and disappointment from other Christians and even church leaders. It's a unique problem that requires spiritual wisdom to remedy. That's why this webinar will focus on recovering from church hurt. We'll discuss how to restore our hearts and how to reconnect with a loving body of believers. 
Clippers, look for an email with registration details for this free interactive webinar. Not an Clippers, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or going online at EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful to have Joanna Meyer with me from the Denver Institute talking about her newest book, Women, Work, and Calling. How do you step into your place in God's world? There's a lot of unique things that women bring into the marketplace, but there are also a lot of unique challenges as well, and Joanna's book tackles them head on. Everything from gender dynamics, from the social pressures to hold it all together, the fallacy of the picture-perfect life, how do you manage all of those things, bringing your full self and your vocational imagination uh, to, to work, and how does your faith inform all of that? Maybe you're a Christian woman listening to me right now, and uh, you have questions about how to navigate your current season of, uh, of faith and work. I would love for you to get a chance to ask your questions. It's a privilege to have Joanna on with us, and I don't want you to miss this opportunity. Call t- now, uh, 877-548-3675. And let me just say, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher or an engineer or a doctor or a nurse or a factory worker or a postal worker or a stay-at-home mom. All of us have been called by God to reflect his goodness, his grace, his glory, his redemption in our day-to-day work. And I want you to be able to navigate through that. But how do you do it when maybe you're not supported at work or doors aren't being opened for you? Or maybe you're in a leadership role um, and you have great opportunity and you're just wanting to steward it well. 877-548-3675. Joanna, in all your years of running the women work um, and, uh, and, and calling initiative, what have you learned about what's unique about women in the, in the marketplace? What, what unique gifts and blessings do women bring to the marketplace? Yeah, well, I think you have to go back to the foundations that we see in Genesis, that when God was creating the partnership that would steward and develop the world, men and women were brought together. Um, and so women are equal players in all of life and in public life, especially. And so I think one of the challenges we see is that in many faith communities, we don't have a vision for discipling women for life beyond their own personal devotional life with God, their relational commitments, whether it's marriage, motherhood, in my case, being an aunt or being a neighbor, we're not discipling them for some of those other roles that round out all that a woman is. Um, And so when we aren't being uh, encouraged to step into that and given the tools that we need to lead in that context, we're not showing up with the fullness that God intended from the very beginning of that we would bring our unique uh, power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, our unique sensibilities um, to that, that partnership. What's amazing is that we see this lived out in the corporate sector. So companies that have women on their boards and in the senior leadership roles of the organization outperform countries, companies that don't, and they have less ethical violations. So we see the goodness of that blessed alliance that God created in Genesis lived out data support 
in the real world today. Uh, the life just operates better when we have women and men together. So the question is, why aren't we equipping women for uh, influence in all of the roles that we might have beyond our homes or beyond our church settings? Yeah, one of the sad things for me as a pastor is when I hear women, even within my local church, say, um, man, I didn't see a place for my giftings here, so I felt like I had to take them elsewhere. And uh, as a mm-hmm. pastor, that is a reality that I'm constantly trying to address because I know that uh, it is tremendously discouraging for any segment of your church family that you're not casting a biblical vision for. And I think everything you just said is absolutely biblical. Even the Great Commission is not just given with an asterisk by to men only. It is given to all of us to be disciples, to uh, have great impact through our faith and the subsequent good works that comes as a result of our faith in, in Christ. But I got to ask a question on the other side of the coin as well, Joanna, and that is, what are the unique challenges? I've kind of enumerated a few of them. Your book mm-hmm. goes into even more. But if you had to highlight a, a, a couple of the unique challenges that you see are true for women who are in the marketplace, what would you say? Yeah, and, you know, there's some broad themes in the book and then, like, specific issues. But on a broad sense, you know, it starts with that vision of work. Like, we need to be teaching women an integrated vision of our calling, meaning all of life integrated under this broad call to respond to Christ and a, a vision of the goodness and the specificity of work. So, you know, that's that's a huge need that we have. Um, and then I think there are areas of emotional and spiritual resilience that women need to grow in. Uh, and so that's the internal work that helps us fully show up in our roles in public life. It's, it's being able to catch things like limiting beliefs or uh, dealing with something like imposter syndrome. I am still dealing with that. As I went back and looked at the book, mm. I thought, I may have written it, and I'm still growing in many of the areas yep. that I covered. So there are things internally that are part of our leadership presence in whatever role that we have. Um, but then there are specific challenges in the workplace. We talk in the book about the idea of vocational imagination is one, of being able to see, like, how mm-hmm. might my Christian faith specifically speak into the work that I do? But there's also a question of vocational power, which is informed by some of the writing of Amy uh, Sherman in her, in her book Kingdom Calling about yes. vocational stewardship for the common good. I'm sure that you've read it. But that's a really powerful conversation for women to be part of, is to begin to examine what your unique area of influence is. And also, what are the unique forms of power that God has given you? And uh, just, I think about my own faith tradition, I had never heard a conversation about women in power in in my faith communities. It's much more informed by what we couldn't do in church circles. So to be able to step into public life, where whatever your theological convictions are, I don't think they apply to our roles in public life. Suddenly you realize like, oh, we want women to be living in freedom and fullness and to leveraging every ounce of influence that God has given them. And so being able to help a woman see specifically, oh, here's what my unique gifts are, the resources that I have or my contacts. Here are the levers that I can pull to have godly influence in the roles that I fill. That's an amazing conversation to have with women. Um, And then there are other challenges related to relational dynamics of like, what does it look like to truly collaborate well with men? Or what does it look like to be a woman who's relationally generous, meaning I'm actively 
investing in other women, opening doors for other women to come alongside and grow. Lots yes. of nuances that are part of this discipleship journey as it relates to work. Well, you know, I wanted to have you on today because I just think that so often voices like yours, number one, need to be heard, and they are being heard. I mean, obviously, you're on so many platforms, and the work that you're doing is being highlighted greatly, and I'm, and I'm grateful that you carved out some time to be with me. But I think so often, in particular within the church, and I'm talking to other pastors as a fellow pastor, that our theological conversations about the role of women often start at the place of restriction instead of the yes. joyful, redemptive place of casting a vision for what is possible and what God has laid before all of us, uh, and, and sometimes even uniquely to women concerning opportunities and influence. By the way, that overcoming imposter syndrome, phenomenal chapter. That's chapter nine of the book. And um, I absolutely love chapter nine of the book. And I want to encourage mm. you to, uh, to, to read. The book is worth just that chapter. If that was nothing else, that was, that, was, that was a money chapter. But when we come back from this break, I do want to dive into chapter eight of the book because there's two words that seem like a contradiction, but you say they're not, and I love it. It is cultivating humble confidence. Now, you mm -hmm. often, Joanna, don't hear those two words dovetailing one another or in harmony so typically you're taught that if you're going to excel in a workplace you got to have this bravado or arrogance if you're going to if you're going to win and that somehow humility is the opposite of that and it causes you to lose we're going to break that myth if you're a woman listening to us right now trying to navigate your calling vocationally Man, I can't think of a better book than Women, Work, and Calling by Joanna Meyer. You can find out how to order at our website, equipradio.org. Call us now, 877-LIVE-675. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, having a phenomenal conversation today with Joanna Meyer author of the book, Women, Work, and Calling, Step Into Your Place in God's World. If you are a woman who is trying her best to fulfill God's purpose and calling on your life, not only in the local church, but in the marketplace, I would love for you to get a copy of this book. It is approachable, it is authentic, it is biblical, and I believe it will help you to really cultivate vocational imagination, to really see how Christ can be at work in and through you wherever he's placed you, whether it's a teacher, an engineer, a farmer, a doctor, a nurse, stay-at-home mom, whatever God has placed you, he wants you to bring his grace, his goodness, his redemption to that place, and I believe you can do it, and so does Joanna Meyer. To find out more, at our website, equipradio.org. I would also like to open up the phone lines at 877-548-3675. If you need prayer or encouragement, wisdom on how to navigate in, uh, in the workplace, if you're a woman listening right now and you say, this is exactly what I've been praying to God about, 
I need wisdom. I need encouragement. Once you give a call now, 877-548-3675. Joanna, you dedicate a chapter of your book to cultivating what you call humble confidence. But in many ways, that's the ethos, it seems to me, throughout your entire book, is trying to help, in large part, increase the confidence of those who read this book and God's uh, purpose and power in their lives to not doubt their abilities, to not believe that humility is somehow equated to insecurity or indecisiveness. How do we bring those two together, humility and confidence? Yeah, that's so important. And I'm so honored that you would read the book. You know, it's really intended to be a a primer for Christian women who maybe have never received a biblical framework for thinking about work or need someone to walk alongside them in the practical and spiritual realities of their leadership. It's so short and accessible, which is great, but it's like a small book with a lot of wisdom and a lot of opportunities for application. And this topic of humble confidence is one of them. Uh, As I think about this moment in culture it doesn't encourage humble confidence. If, if anyone's on social media, even if you're on LinkedIn and talking about your job, it's a season of, of packaging yourself, of having a brand, of boasting uh, at every opportunity that you get. And so it can be hard to find that nuance. Or maybe for women that have grown up in, in a culture where confidence as feminine leaders has not been encouraged, it can feel a little uncomfortable stepping into opportunities that require leadership and feeling like, gosh, I don't know what feels authentic and effective for my own personality. And, and humble mm-hmm. confidence is one way that, that can guide us forward. So it starts by understanding what is biblical humility and, and what it's not. It, it's not insecurity. We look at Christ as our example of humility. And he knew with crystal clarity who he was in his relationship to God the Father. And that provided a foundation for him. I mean, imagine and right after Christ is baptized, we hear these words from heaven this is my son and who I am well pleased. And I think, gosh, how, how would that ease our doubts about our identity and our potential if we started every day with those words from God of like, this is my, my daughter in whom I am well pleased. So we know that humbleness wow. is not a doubt or insecurity about who we are. It's also not indecisiveness or passivity. You may think like, well, if something's going to happen, God's going to make it happen. And, and that is, is not reflective of what we see in Scripture. People were definitely seeking God's direction, were dependent on His power and guidance, mm-hmm. but they were mm-hmm. proactive. I think about Deborah, the judge that we see in the book of Judges. She was the political and religious leader for the people of Israel in the years before they had a king. A person in that role can't be indecisive or passive. Um, God really walks alongside us as we move forward in confidence. So we know that humility is neither of those things. Rather, it's it's following the model of Christ that he describes himself as being gentle and humble of heart. He didn't think of himself more than he should have, but he didn't think of himself less either. Um, and so as we try to navigate, what does it look like to move forward in confidence? We can ask questions about what is my motivation for acting the way I do in this particular moment, leading in a certain way, or posting on social media in a certain way? Am I truly trying to enrich the conversation and serve others? Or am I I just boasting about myself or trying to advance my own reputation or name? That can be a wonderful opportunity to temper the tone or guide the tone in which we engage in public life. And then also, 
want to understand our context. Yeah. I, I've had times where I've had feedback that I could I could stand to be more confident in certain situations. And so it's helpful to have people giving us feedback in our own lives to say, okay, what does it look like to show up in all the fullness that God has made me to be? Yeah, you, you captured a quote very well in your book uh, from, from Rick Warren, that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's just simply thinking of yourself less. I love that. Let's go to Marilyn, mm-hmm. who's listening in Chicago. Hey, Marilyn, thank you so much for listening. What's your comment today? My comment today is I really like this program because I have been a nurse manager for over four decades. And in so doing, I like the point of how you're saying that the womanhood can be blended with being consistent, concerned, and just exemplary in front of the people that we are managing as well as our family. And I think when people think about it being blended and not have to have a special aura or a special something, that that helps us really show the light of God. First off, I just want to say this, Marilyn, you should be my co-host today because you just said it so, so well. I love how you articulate that. And uh, I want to be a a blessing to you. For four decades, you've been a blessing to so many. So, Marilyn, we want to give you a complimentary copy of Joanna's book uh, and uh, just want to encourage you through your leadership to keep being the blessing, the blessing that you are. So stay on the line. My producer will get your information. Joanna, uh, what is uh, that comment from Marilyn? What does that mean to you? Well, hi, Marilyn. It's great to hear from you. Um, and kudos to you on years and years and years of godly influence. You know, it makes me want to take a step back uh, and, and just acknowledge that every woman's experience of calling and her giftedness and leadership is distinct. It's as distinct as our fingerprint, and it's shaped by our age and generational roles. It's shaped by our life stage, our denomination, maybe that you grew up in a church or the part of the country that you were raised in. And so often it's helpful to be able to say, oh, what, okay, what are the cultural influences that shape my thinking about what it means to be a woman? And then what does the Bible actually say? Because I, I think we've done damage to women by uh, leaning heavy into culture in our faith communities and not realizing there's a lot of freedom in the Bible's actually less specific than we think it is. It invites us to a great freedom in our life with Christ. And so sometimes helping distinguish between culture and biblical norms actually brings the freedom and the proactivity to figure out for ourselves what it looks like to live with authenticity uh, into all that God has made us to be. Yeah, and I think we have to live from a theology, uh, the theology up. And what I mean by that is that our foundation has to be a rich and robust theology. And so often, because of the way certain passages have been used, I think there is a fear to say, well, I don't want to go into the scriptures because I might not like what I encounter there. And I have found just the opposite. When properly understood in context, the scriptures are are glorious in helping to cast a vision for my life and yours on how we can be used by God. Uh, so, uh, Marilyn, thank you for that. Thank you for what you're doing. And again, we're going to get you a book. I, Joanna, I got to mention the dedication page. I love that you say mm-hmm. to the women of my family who's worked as farmers, missionaries, educators, nurses, and poets. Uh, that is such an awesome legacy. Oh, yeah. And I dedicated it to my two nieces who are teenagers who are at this stage in their life committed to following Christ, but who knows what life will hold for them. And so it's an invitation 
uh, to discover with God what he has for them. But yeah, I'm, I'm the recipient of, or I'm, I follow in the footsteps of some amazing women and some of whom who labored in obscurity. Um, you know, yeah, none of them yeah. are famous and yet the faithfulness and the impact that they've had, uh, is a testament to how God works through women's gifts. Well, you're carrying a great legacy and uh, I love that you're passing it on to your nieces, but through your book, you're impacting many, many more. We're going to take a, another break, our final break of the day. Joanna's book can be uh, purchased and ordered. Find out information at our website for how you can order your copy of Women, Work, and Calling. And when we come back, I'll talk to you about how I think you can use this book, not only on an individual level, but maybe to transform your workplace and your church. So don't go anywhere. Phone number to join the conversation is 877-LIVE-675. Do you long for joy that supersedes your circumstances? Did you know that some of the most joyful people have endured unbelievable trauma? Because living joyfully is all about the habits we create in our daily lives. That's why I want to send you the four habits of joy-filled people by Dr. Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi. They combine spiritual truth with proven brain science to guide us into joyful living. This life-changing book can be yours with a gift of any amount to equip. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Uh, I want to say thank you, have to say thank you to the many partners who helped to make this program possible. Your generosity continues to amaze me, and I am humbled and grateful for your confidence in this uh, program ministry that God has given to impact people, to equip Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith is such a blessing. It spurs on my faithfulness and encouragement as well. But I pray in exchange, you feel equipped, you feel encouraged by the resources and the wisdom of our guests so that you can more effectively live, share, and defend your faith. Now, here's where we stand financially. I promised you throughout the week that I was going to update you, and I want to say some thank yous as well. We are about $6,000 away from our budgeted goal for this month, about $6,000 away from that goal. So this will be a great time if the Lord has laid on your heart to give or to support for you to uh, do that. Your gift of $50 or $100, $500, or even a $1,000 gift makes all the difference, and it helps us to close that gap. In a month where so much is focused on Thanksgiving, I want you to know that I'm thankful for the spiritual impact that we've been able to have together through our partnership, as well as the testimony of good stewardship. So if you want to support the program, call now, 888-644-4144. Be great to have 10 friends who can stand with us today with a gift of $100 or more that will help to get us there, 888-644-4144. Now let me just say some thank yous. First to Butch in Minnesota. Butch, first-time giver, and uh, man, what a what a blessing it is, Butch, that you would give and that you would listen. Uh, it blesses my heart. So thank you, Maryland, Oak Park, Illinois. Thank you, Jeffrey from Chase, British Columbia. Love our friends in Canada. So appreciate you, Tasha from Smyrna, Tennessee. Gave a uh, a gift, and uh, Tasha, I just want you to know. 
blesses my heart that you're listening and for your support. And then a new monthly partner, Tracy from Bloomingdale, Illinois. Thank you, Tracy. Hopefully, Tracy, you signed up to be with us tomorrow for our Zoom webinar, Surviving Church Hurt. And um, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say, I think this is the most important Zoom webinar we've done. And we've done some really important Zoom webinars. Uh, But this one is critical. 37% of those Americans who used to go to church and no longer do say the number one reason why, according to Barner Research, is because of a negative experience at church. This is another way of saying church hurt. Maybe it was by the hands of a leader that you feel like should have known better. Maybe it was because of the community of believers that you felt neglected or mistreated. Whatever the issue may be, I want you to be able to survive. I don't want you to become a casualty or a statistic uh, tossed to the sidelines because you were hurt. That hurt happened at the hand of people, but your Savior loves you. And, uh, man, he wants to redeem that brokenness and maybe even use it to help to heal others. So I want you to join us. If you've not already registered as a monthly partner, this is your opportunity. Please make sure you do so. Go to your Equipper Encouragement email in your inbox. Just go to your inbox and just type in Equipper Encouragement. The email will come up, and uh, there you can register for our Zoom webinar tomorrow. Now, I do want to end this program. We've been talking to Joanna Meyer about this book, Women, Work, and Calling. And uh, so much can be said about um, the importance of casting a biblical vision for women, their giftedness, their, their leadership, their influence in the local church and in broadly in culture, society, and the marketplace. But I want to give you uh, a few ways where I think you can have impact and influence. Now, often when we think about being a Christian, we, and we think about bringing our faith to work, we think about evangelism, and we should. You certainly should look for opportunities to invite others to Christ, to share with others your faith convictions, why you are a Christ follower. We often also think about prayer, like praying for our coworkers. I think that's phenomenal as well. Uh, you can be a difference maker by simply being the CIO of your company. And what I mean by that, uh, being a CIO of your workplace is a chief intercessory officer. You can uh, be a faithful intercessor for them, and that will make all the difference in the lives of so many. If you just simply maybe once a week said to people, how can I pray for you in my time of prayer? Hey, I'm going to be in a time of prayer this evening for those who are part of our workplace, and I want to pray for you. Is there anything that I can pray for you for? Now, most people won't get offended by that if you present it humbly and, and share it that way and actually do it. Come back to them maybe a week later and say, hey, you shared with me that you wanted me to pray for your son, your marriage, your mom, whatever the case may be, and follow through on it. But I want to give you a few more ways, in addition to evangelism and prayer, that you can have an impact in your workplace. What about this? What about starting a workplace networking group? Networking groups are are huge. 
These are often affinity groups within a company that say, we want to get together to support one another. Um, and uh, just about every company I know, in, in particular larger companies, have some type of networking groups where people will get together that share common background or some other common passion. Now, because we're talking to women today, what would it look like to have uh, you start a women's networking group at your workplace? And man, wouldn't it be cool if you guys had a book reading that you did? And you know what I'm going to recommend? That's right, Joanna Meyer's book, uh, Women, Work, and Calling. Imagine reading her book and maybe even going a step further. The group uh, could entertain that. Bring her in to give a talk to the women there, um, virtually or, or face-to-face. But at least read the book. I think that could be a huge thing. Another way that you can have an impact on your workplace as a, a woman who's seeking to integrate her faith with her work is being a mentor. Just be a mentor. Uh, if you see a woman hired in to your workplace, she's new, be that person day one. It says, hey, if you need a friend, if you need encouragement, if you need somebody who can help you to navigate through uh, the environment, hey, I'm here for you, and I would uh, be willing to be a support to you. You can't force that on someone, but you certainly can become known for making yourself available as a mentor. God can use that. Let me just give you two more ways before we wrap up today. Scholarship another woman scholarship another woman. And what I mean by that is share your social capital and open up opportunities that you wish would have been opened up for you. If you have a level of influence where maybe you can give a project or partner with a woman who's still trying to build her reputation and resume, do that. If you have the ear of the boss or you have the ear of people in leadership and you can advocate for another woman, do that. Look for opportunities to, that's what I mean by scholarship, just to create opportunity to underwrite that. And maybe it means to literally sponsor someone to go to a workshop or a conference or even more so that they can get skills, invest in another woman. Now, final thing I'm going to say is uh, there's not enough said about role modeling. One of the greatest ways you can have influence is just by intentional role modeling, being a model of integrity and humble confidence. Imagine showing up every day as a woman of God. If you show up every day as a woman who knows her Lord, wants to reflect her faith in all that she says and, and, and does, and it's confident in Christ and his work in and through your life, you will make an impact. And I very rarely dedicate programs, but I thank God I had a mom who lived this out. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.